is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Now, I'm going to tell you something right now about the subject of hell. We're going to go through a Bible study on the subject of hell. And right off the get-go, I'm going to say something that's probably going to offend a lot of people. But hear me out. Don't cut off that TV quite yet. Quite yet. Did you know there's a high probability that you're going to go to hell when you die? and that most of your deceased loved ones are in hell right now? Now let me explain. Let me explain what I'm talking about. You see, the truth of the matter is most of you have never heard the truth about the subject of hell. You've never questioned, here's the problem, you've never questioned where your ideas come from. I mean, tell me, where did your ideas come from about the subject of hell? You assumed your ideas about hell came directly from the Bible. Okay, and that's why we're going to do this Bible study on the subject of hell to find out what your Bible really teaches about this subject. You probably just accept it without even questioning the world's idea of a horrifying, nightmarish place of never-ending torture for lost sinners. And you've just said, well, yeah, I guess that's what the Bible says. I guess that's the way God is, that he's going to torture people for all of eternity. Now, <clears throat> it's time to quit swallowing the ideas and theories of confused humanity and begin to study the truth for ourselves about what the Bible actually teaches. Now, <clears throat> when you read the word hell in the Bible, what comes to your mind? Well, probably immediately you start thinking about a place where there's, there's this fire and that people are going to be in that fire for all of eternity. When you read a scripture like Luke 16 and verse 23, let's put that up there. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and sees Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. What do you think of when you read that? Did you know the word hell there doesn't mean Gehenna fire? It actually means the grave. So we could read it like this. And in the grave, he lifted up his eyes being in torment. That's how it actually is translated. The word hell there does not mean Gehenna fire. It simply means the grave. Now the problem is this. When the Bible translators translated into English, they took a word that has three different meanings and translated it into one word. The one word is hell. So when you read hell in your Bible, you have to know that that singular word has three different meanings. So let's take a look at the three different meanings of this word hell in the Bible. The most common usage of this word hell, the most common uh, translation definition of this word is the grave. In the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew uses the word sheol, which means the grave. In the New Testament, the Greek word Hades is used, and it simply means the grave. Now, that's the first meaning of the word. The second meaning of the word is a place of restraint 
for fallen angels, uh, a holding place, a binding place for fallen angels. Now let's take a look at this scripture, 2 Peter 2 and verse 4. It says, For if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. Notice, but cast them down to hell. That word hell there means a place of restraint for fallen angels. It's only one time in the, in the Bible, and the Greek word is tartaru. All right, <clears throat> the third meaning of the word hell is Gehenna fire. Jesus spoke about Gehenna fire. We're going to look at that. It's a place where the wicked will simply be destroyed, this Gehenna fire. He was actually referring to a literal valley of Hinnom called Hinnom that existed when Jesus walked the earth. And I'm going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. So when you're reading the Bible, you just pick up the Bible and you're reading about the whorish woman in Proverbs 7 and verse 27 that says, her house is the way to hell going down to the chambers of death. That word actually means the grave. Her house is the way to the grave or the pit. Now, when a sinner dies, what happens to him? Now, I want to tell you, you've been lied to about the Bible. And uh, you probably don't know what happens to the sinner when he dies. Is the sinner in the grave awaiting the resurrection from the dead? Or does he immediately go to hell to burn forever? All right, to answer this question, we've got to ask, okay, well, what happens when you die? Well, let's take a look at, let's let the Bible translate the Bible. Let's not read into it our own illusions, concepts, ideas that we've been taught, that's been passed down from our parents, from our minister. Let's take the Bible, let the Bible interpret the Bible. Don't believe me, believe your Bible, all right? What happens when you die? Let's take a look at it. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 19. It says, for that which bef uh, befalleth the sons of men befalleth beasts. Even one thing befalleth them. In other words, the same thing happens to both beast or, or animal or mankind. As the one dies, so dies the other. Yea, they have one breath, so that a man has no preeminence above a beast, for all is vanity. All go into one place, all are of the dust, and all turn to dust again. In other words, what happens to all of us, beast or man, is that we go to the grave. We die, and we return to the dust of the earth. This is what your Bible is telling you. Now, you've never heard of beast Animals going to hell to be tortured forever, have you? Well, of course not. And this scripture simply tells us that all beasts or man, when they die, they go to the grave. Now, what do the dead know? When you die and you're in the grave, what do the dead know? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they any more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Okay, the dead don't know anything. Why is that? Because they're dead. So the idea of wicked people, you know, is, I could ask the question, you mean wicked dead people don't know they're burning in hell? Well, of course not. The reason is they're dead in the grave 
awaiting for the resurrection, awaiting for the judgment. <clears throat> now, what place does God say man goes when he dies? Where does God say that we go when we die? Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatsoever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where you go. Where does God say you go when you die? He says you go to the grave. Now, folks, this is the word of God. And you are going to the grave when you die. And I'm not saying there is no resurrection. That's not, don't get ahead of me. I'm not saying that God's not going to resurrect the dead. I'm just saying that we all must, must participate in a thing called a dirt nap. You go to the grave. You return to the dust of the earth again. Later, God will resurrect you. For dust you are, and dust you shall return. So what have we learned so far about the subject of hell? Okay. We've learned that the word hell has three different meanings, okay? The most common meaning is the grave or the pit. The second meaning is Gehenna fire, a place where wicked, the wicked will be destroyed. The third meaning is a restraint, a binding place for wicked spirits. So the word hell has three different meanings. So that's what we've learned so far. The second thing we've learned is that all people will have their time in the grave. And the third thing we've learned is that so far, no one is burning in hell right now. Why? Well, because they're dead and they're in the grave. All right. Jesus said this. He said, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. So Jesus said, judgment of the evil dead who are now in the grave is yet ahead. Let's read it again. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Okay, they're in the grave, but they're going to hear his voice. And shall come forth, they that have done good, unto the resurrection of life, that's the first resurrection, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. In other words, when you read this verse, how could they now be receiving punishment when they have not as of yet received judgment? You don't punish people before the person is judged, you see. Now, is there a day of judgment? Does your Bible say that there is a day of judgment? Let's take a look at it. 2 Peter 2 and verse 9. The Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Notice, judgment is first and then punishment. You see, the concept of hell that you've been taught is that God punishes people before they are judged. This is, this is not, you, you can't, attribute that to God. You can't say that God is an unjust God. If God did that, if he punished people before they were judged, he would be an unjust God, you see. Now, when is this judgment? All right, let's let the Bible answer the question. Again, don't believe me, believe your Bible. Hebrews 9 and verse 27. And as it is appointed unto all men once to die, but after this, the judgment. 
Notice what you have. First you have death, then afterwards you have the judgment. Now isn't it plain that, that, that people will receive judgment in the future sometime after death? Isn't that plain? I mean, it's, it's, it's crystal clear that this is what the Bible is saying. Let's take a look at Revelation 20 and verse 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell, and that word there, hell, is grave. Death and the grave delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every man according to their works. So what are we reading about? We're reading about a future judgment here, and they're judged according to their works. But notice it says the sea gave up the dead. Fascinating concept. You know, I was thinking about the battleship Arizona at Pearl Harbor. To this day, I, I imagine it's still full of soldiers, uh, bones, uh, thousands of soldiers were buried alive in a tomb, an uh, underwater tomb. Uh, a very sad story, but if you've ever studied history and the, uh, the event, Second World War, War, War at Pearl Harbor, you know what a, a hideous thing happened there where soldiers were trapped underneath the water. But this, this verse says, and the sea gave up the dead. No one is, listen to me, no one is or ever has been burning in hell right now. Now let's take a look at the wages of sin. What does the Bible say the wages of sin is? Well, Hebrews 10 and verse 26 says, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sin, but a certain fearful looking for judgment and fiery indignation, which shall devour the adversary. In other words, these people, they know they're doing wrong, and they don't care. The Bible refers to this in the Old Testament as presumptuous sin. But what does the Bible say that's going to happen to people who are presumptuous, they don't care if they're sinning or not. What does the Bible say? Well, it says the wages of sin is death. Hebrew, uh, Romans 6 and verse 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Death is the opposite of life. You know, the concept that people are living, will live forever in hell is just simply not true because it, it, it eliminates the, this, the truth of the Bible that the wages of sin is death. Jesus said this in Luke 13 and verse 5, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what does it mean to perish? Well, it means to cease to exist. It means no more you. It means you die. Death, the second death, you know, that's the end of you. To perish does not imply that you continue living at all. So what have we learned so far? Well, we learned that there is a final judgment from God sometime after a person dies. We've learned that the wicked will be judged in the future. We've learned that the wages of sin is death. And we learned that Jesus said, unless you repent, you are going to perish. Now, how will the wicked perish is the question. How will they perish? Well, in Jesus' day, he referred to Gehenna fire. It was actually a literal valley that existed in the valley of Hinnom. It was a burning, smoldering garbage dump that where the fires perpetually burned, the carcasses of dead criminals and animals were thrown over the edge of the, 
the, the abyss there, the cliff. And when Jesus talked to his disciples about being in danger of Gehenna fire, they could look south of Jerusalem and, say, and see the smoke boiling up out of the valley of Hinnom and say, wow, that's, that, this can't be good. He's talking about death by fire. And so they made the connection with that. Now, what did Jesus say about unquenchable fire? Because a lot of people misunderstand what this word unquenchable fire means. Let's take a look at it in Mark 9 and verse 43. It says, and if your right hand offend you, cut it off. It is better for thee to go in, into life main than having two hands uh, than to go into hell, uh, into the hell fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye offends thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, hell fire that is, where their worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. So the reference here that Jesus is referring to is Gehenna, the Valley of Hinnom, Gehenna fire. Now, to read this scripture and to conclude, well, this must mean that the fires will burn forever and the wicked will be tortured forever. That is a little extreme, don't you think, to jump to that conclusion. In other words, the fire is unquenchable as long as it's burning combustible material. In other words, no, one, no man can put it out, is what Jesus is saying when he talks about unquenchable fire. Now let me give you an example of, of unquenchable or eternal fire, how the Bible uses the language here. In Genesis, we read the story about Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 19 and verse 24, it says, The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. So we know the story that this was was burnt up, these cities were burnt up because of their great perversion of, you know, sodomy and homosexuality. That, that, that's the reason it was destroyed. But notice what Jude says about this event. Jude 1 and verse 7 says, Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Notice this. These two cities, Sodom and Gomorrah, suffered the vengeance of eternal fire. Now question, is the fire still burning? If we go over there today, are we still going to see this city burning in smoke? No, no of, course, of course not. And yet your Bible says that the vengeance of eternal fire. You know, to take this leap of faith, if you will, and say, well, unquenchable fire, fires mean that it burns forever, or, in, or eternal fire means that it just keeps burning and burning and burning. No, that, that's not so at all. You know, I was watching this science fiction series, Stargate. I have the whole series of, you know, they travel to a Stargate to, to other worlds. I'm fascinated by that concept, but... Uh, in this one episode, they captured this very bad Apophis, I think is his name, very wicked man who had killed hundreds of thousands of people. They capture him and he's dying. And uh, 
a very wicked man. And at the end of the episode, they send him, they have to return him back to the people that want him. And so he's about half dead anyway. And they send him back to the Stargate, back to where he belonged. And they ask the question, well, what will happen to him? And, and they said, well, they'll put him in the sarcophagus. And that, this is something that brings you back to health. This thing you lie in, it brings you back to health. And they'll, they'll bring him back to health and they will torture him forever. And they sort of the whole team, the Stargate team, sort of looked at each other and, and said, well, we, we don't want to do that. We don't want to send him back so he can be tortured for the rest of his life. And, you know, it, it just sort of hit me that that is the concept that we have contributed to God, that this is what God wants to do. He wants to keep people alive in health so he can torture them forever. I mean, let me ask you a question. Is it justice to take a sinner who has sinned for 50 years and sentence him to a lifetime of torture? Do you think that is justice from God's perspective? Do you think that is a just God? To take a man, a sinner who has sinned for 50 years and torture him for all of eternity. Is that your idea of a just God? You know, recently I had one of my old dogs, about 15 years old, uh, got into the bad habit of crawling underneath the car and my wife was in a hurry and backed over the dog and oh, she hated it and we both hated it and we took the dog to the vet and they did the x-rays and they said, you know, the dog is so old that it's not going to recover from this. And so we opted out to put the dog to sleep and I went in there and said my goodbyes to the dog, you know, and uh, rubbed her head, Caramel was her name and her tail. She, you know, dogs, no matter how bad they have it, their tail still wags and, and <laughs> oh, it was pitiful and so sad, but we, we, I didn't want to keep that dog alive in pain, okay? Now I know I'm comparing dogs to humans, but I think humans are a little bit more important. And, you know, to, to attribute this to God and say, well, this is the way God is. He, he wants to keep you alive so he can torture you for all of eternity. I'm telling you, the concept doesn't make any sense. I think the concept comes from a different spirit, not the spirit of God, okay? Let's take a look at Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the fearful, and this, this is what, again, don't believe me, believe what your Bible is saying about the subject of hell. Let's read this. But the fearful, and the unbelieving, and the abominable, and the murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and, and idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. What is the second death? It is a death for which there is no resurrection from the dead. It is your last chance. There is no, it is the destruction of you. Total destruction is the second death. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 25 and verse 46, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Listen closely to what I'm about to say. I'm gonna repeat it twice. The punishment is everlasting. The punishment is death. The punishing, what caused the death, is not everlasting. Let me repeat that. The punishment is everlasting. The punishment is death. The punishing, what caused the death, is not everlasting. 
Malachi 4 and verse 1. For behold, the days come that shall burn as an oven, and upon all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. Let's skip on down to verse 3. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Ashes under the soles of your feet. We're talking about the total destruction and end of the wicked. You know, praise God for his truth. Praise God for his truth. There is nothing more powerful than God's truth. A lot of you have rejected God because you've been lied to about the Bible. You've been taught a false concept about God. And you see, when you believe a false concept about God, it keeps people from knowing God. If you believe that God is an unjust God, you'll never have anything to do with God if you don't understand that His justice and His love is, is rightly deserved and that justice is rightly deserved, but justice means the end of the wicked sinner. That is just to put them out of their misery. Now, I want to offer you something, a new Bible study entitled, This is Hell. It will go into, I didn't have time to go through everything I wanted to go through, but it will talk about the real hell is the destruction of the earth's surface by fire. And then later a new heaven and a new earth is gonna be created. But this is that, that will be the real hell fire uh, that will eventually come about. It, another subject, worms that die not. Okay, are there immortal worms in hell? Okay, this Bible study will answer that question. Lazarus and the rich man. This one's been used over and over again to prove that there's, God will burn people for all eternity. This Bible study will answer that question. And it, it will answer the qu final question that God is a God of love and true justice. I'm David Freeman with Is That Really in the Bible? Sometimes learning more about God is simply unlearning what someone else has told you about God. So in order to develop a deeper relationship with God, you must unlearn what you have learned. Only about a third of the world's population claim to be Christian, and the numbers are falling. If Christianity is getting smaller, that can only mean hell is getting larger. Does this really mean that God will consign at least 60% of humanity to a never-ending burning hell when they die? Is this really the action of a just and merciful God? The common teaching of hell is really a mistaken tradition that has replaced what the Bible actually reveals about life, death, and God's plan of salvation. It has extinguished the real hope that God offers for everyone who has ever lived. There are simple biblical truths that open up new avenues of understanding about how God treats everyone with respect and justice. 60% of humanity is not going to be tormented forever in a burning hell fire. Order your free book entitled, If God So Loved the World, Why Are So Many People Going to Hell? Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at 
is thatreallyinthebible.net. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at cogrm.com.